Tonight, I want to talk about the soils. In the Bible, it's known as the, the, the parable of, of the sower, but it depends on what aspect of the story that you talk about. Tonight, I want to talk about the soils and what, what it is that it represents. Now, as I was studying this, I came across something that really made sense to me. You know, you can see that, these, that the soils represent the heart of, of, of individuals. But there's a dual level of application here. That if you, if you read it and, and hear what the Word of God is saying, you will find yourself in, in this, the, the area of what the soils are representing. And you may, not, you may be in the good soil. That's where, that's where we want to get. But you may have found that you went through times in your life, or you may even right now be in one of the other soils. Now, as we look at this, we, let's look at parables for one second. Many people believe that Jesus spoke in parables to make, to make it easier for the listeners. And that is partially true. Because Jesus tells us about parables in Matthew 10, verse 10, Matthew 13, 10 through 13. And I just want to preface this by saying this is going to be a little bit more of a teaching. Is that, is that cool? <laughs> All right, I appreciate it. Uh, Matthew 13, 10 through 13, it says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to, to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. So Jesus would talk in parables for three reasons. He would hide truth from unbelievers, and he tells us why in verse 12. For whoever has to him shall be more given, and he shall have an abundance, but whoever does not have shall be taken away from him. Okay? The more truth you get the more you are accountable for. Number two, it revealed practical truth to believers. And number three, it piqued the interest to seekers. Okay, so just kind of remember that. It's not, it's not the point that I want to bring out in the message, but I want you to understand that's why he did it. Now, I want to read you a couple of scriptures. Luke 12, 48. And from everyone who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted much. Now listen in Mark 4, 33 through 34. I want to drive home the point that the Lord, when he gives you something, he is expecting you to do something with it. Okay? With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Now listen to this. It says, he did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Now, that is very interesting because if you read it for what it says, it says that he didn't preach at all aside from parables. People will come out and say, look, there's a contradiction. He preaches straightforward here, but that's not a parable. And yet the Bible says that he only spoke in parables. So what do you do with a verse like this? Well, when you look at it, you, one thing that we must understand 
is that during the time of Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry, when you read the Gospels, they give you snapshots at different parts of, the, of his ministry. But if you, if you understand that Jesus taught straightforward truth, if Jesus taught in a parable in, in, in a, a synagogue, why were they trying to kill him? He came out and said, this scripture about being a deliverer, about being the Messiah, has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's not a parable. That's straightforward preaching. Preaching that almost got him killed. Remember, they wanted to push him off of a mountain and he disappeared in in between them. Now, parables were a way to teach truth to believers, but it was also high, it was also keeping truth from those that were rejecting him and denying him, which is a form of judgment. If you think about it, if God holds blessings away from you you know if you look at in Leviticus and all these different ones when it talks about a land being under a curse some of that stuff is just God taking his hand off so him not being there and teaching and and all these things is his way of removing himself from the situation and that is judgment everything that we get from God is a blessing It, it absolutely it is a blessing Jesus knew the hard-hearted Pharisees that he knew that they would not recover, receive him. He would say things like, you are of your father, the devil. Think about that. That wouldn't fly behind too many pulpits nowadays. But he never spoke in parables in the synagogue because he was teaching truth to those that could receive big amounts of truth. So he put what he said was, I'm God, believe it or not. But to those that were like, what, what is God? What is, you know, what are the, the attributes of God and all these things he dealt gently with? Jesus spoke more harshly to the Pharisees and Sadducees than anyone else in the Bible. Now, during his second year of public ministry, he had encountered so much hostility that he moved a lot of his teaching to parables. It weeded out the people that were wanting truth, and it protected others from judgment. So I think that's merciful, if you think about it. Now, Jesus would always say, he who has ears to hear and eyes to see. And he would say things like, beware of casting pearls before swine, because that's what Jesus would do. He would, he would say, he would teach, he would, he would tell a, a parable, and then he would retract himself, and the disciples would come and say, man, what do you mean about that, Jesus? And because they wanted the truth, he would explain the parable to them. Now, this time, we're going to look at the parable of the sower, or the soils, and next week, possibly, we'll look at exactly what fruit is. Now, I want you to look at a picture here. This is a picture of the cove where Jesus would have taught from by the Sea of Galilee. I just like throwing pictures up there so you can get a visual. It's like an amphitheater. Remember, Jesus would get in a boat, and he would push himself out, and then he would literally teach, and that's where the people would sit. It's amazing, having been to the Sea of Galilee, to see this, this just wonder and this beauty of, of, of where the Lord walked and, and did miracles. Now, let's look at the story. Luke 8, 4 through 8, says, When a great multitude had gathered, they had, come to, they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed, and some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. 
Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it was choked, and, and it got choked out. But others fell on the good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Now, Matthew and Mark says that they get in a boat and they launch out. So that's why I don't want you to think the picture does not do the story justice. I don't know. I come from like, where's that at in the Bible kind of mentality, which is good. That's good to have. Uh, but I'll give you an example. Okay, I'm not a farmer. I'm a city boy. But I do fertilize my yard. So I was like, this is kind of like that if you think about it. You know, you take fertilizer and you put it in a push pail. You, you probably do that. And then you, you fertilize your yard. You go in the area. You got to go a certain amount of time. They got sidewalks there. They got flower beds there. They got road there. Now, let's look at, number one, the roadside soil, which is a wayside soil. And this is a path that is traveled upon. Okay? This is, it's separated fields. If a seed landed here, it would be trampled on and birds could come and take the seed. Okay? Now, I want you to track with me because we're going somewhere. Hopefully. <laughs> you know how things, it sounds right in your mind and you present it, it's like, I don't think they're getting it. But we're going to pray that's not the case tonight. Number two, rock. Now, I don't want you to get a picture of some rocks just sitting in the dirt. Because you got to understand there were no tractors and all this back in the day. So farmers would walk it and remove the rock. So I don't want you to think that it's rocks that the seeds just fell on. That's not what it is. The rocky area was a rock bed that would be under the dirt. So some levels would have a lot of dirt and some would have small amounts of dirt. So you wouldn't necessarily be able, would be able to see it. So you're looking out at a broad landscape and all you see is dirt. But underneath is a rock bed. And the seed would germinate. Until it would hit that rock, and then the roots would not be able to go anywhere else. So that's what that is. And then the thorny ground. This is a weed-infested, kind of like my flower bed. And weeds would come up and choke out the good growth. It pulls, and you ever seen, you've pulled weeds. I mean, those weeds choke it out, pull it down. But listen to this. From the outside, you can go and buy all the dirt and all that and lay it down. And, man, it's like, oh, look how beautiful. I don't even want to put any plants. I just like the, the dark dirt. But weeds are still under there. And weeds will suck up the moisture in your flower bed. Now, why, you, why am I saying that? Some weeds, some people, you hang out with weeds. <laughs> some people will allow weeds to speak into their life. Some people will be have unforgiveness and bitterness toward a weed in their life, and it's sucking the spiritual moisture out of your soil. If you think about it, <laughs> circumstances that, that you face suck the moisture of faith from you. Bad teaching can be weeds that suck the moisture out of a healthy belief system or eventually grow up to choke you out. Now let's look at number four, the good ground. Fertile soil, this is where it's at. It can go deep down, produce deep roots, and flourish. But there can be weed-filled churches that choke out the good seed and damage the soil. Church splits, things like that. So you can have good seed and weeds in that. <laughs> Moving on. 
You know, when you get into that, they're like, oh, what, what, what kind of church split? What, what, what you talking about? I'm just saying in general, you will see these things, and you can have fertile soil, and then bad teaching gets in. And, you know, next thing you know, it's, it's all downhill. But in the story, there's one sower mentioned, and there's one seed mentioned. And when you go through the story, Jesus will tell you exactly what it means. Luke 8, verse 8, I love this verse. It says, when he said these things, he cried, he who has an ear, let him hear. Now, when you look at this in the Greek, Jesus is saying this repeatedly. It's saying, what Jesus was saying is, hey, pay attention. Listen, pay attention. Multiple times. So Jesus is saying, I want you to hear exactly what I am telling you. And in Luke 8, 18, he says, so pay attention how you hear. Pay attention how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. So when you get alone with your Bible, do you think Jesus is wanting you to hear what he is saying? This also gives clarity to why he did not waste his time pouring out all this deep teaching to, to the Pharisees because they had no ears to hear. If you remember that, if you remember, and I think it's in Matthew 23, he gives a, a diatribe. He stands before the Pharisees and takes them to the woodshed. He doesn't give them an opportunity to repent. He tells that they're of their father, the devil, like whitewashed tombs, all this, and then he just walks out. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, you didn't take evangelism <laughs> one-on-one? But we talked about that a couple weeks ago. But listen, the fact of the matter is we are held accountable for what we learn. We're accountable at how we apply it and to teach it. See, just because you're not up here teaching the gospel, God is still holding us responsible for living our life and telling of the gospel. See, reading the Bible is an absolute privilege. You are literally talking to the creator of the heavens and earth. The king of kings and lord of lords is speaking to you directly through his word. And as we are Christians, we don't read our Bibles to become Christians. Christians read their Bible. We read our Bible because we want to hear what our heavenly father has to say to us. Now look in Mark 4, 10 through 12. Let's look at the story from this aspect. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, listen to this, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So you see? So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. You see that? The point is, you get to sit under parable teaching when you read your Bible, and God is wanting to explain his mysteries to us. 
That's a privilege that, that people with hard hearts that don't want anything to do with God. The Holy Spirit is still beating on the door of that hard heart, but they are not understanding truth. You ever, when you were lost, did you understand the Bible? You'd read and be like, ah, I just don't understand what it's saying. Then, if, then when you get saved, your eyes are open. The veil comes off. The scales fall from your eye. And now you're entering into a kingdom where you are starting to understand the ways of the kingdom. That is a privilege. Not everyone could read their Bible and understand it. If that was the case, when you talk to a lost person you, and they're telling you what the Bible says, you're like, what? Well, you know, the Bible says that God helps those that, that you know, help themselves. It's like, that's, it says he helps those that can't help themselves, if you read it. <laughs> now, let's look at his interpretation. Luke 8, 11 through 15. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation or testing, fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life, bringing no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So we're going to kind of look at that. Now Jesus tells us that the seed is the word of God. He tells us what this is. Now I want to... I Pause here, and I don't, because when you read the parables, you'll read another story about seeds and sowing. So don't take one, one story of a parable and take it into another story and say, oh, the seed is the word of God, and the sower is God, you know, and try to connect things that aren't there because you miss it. I want to give you an example. You know the story of the wheat and the tares. In Matthew 13, 24 through 28, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, The enemy has done this. So when you read it, and you, and you can read the, the example in verse 37 and 39, he says, The good seed. Is, the, is, is sown by the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good, the, uh, the good seeds, I'm sorry, are the, son, the sons of the kingdom. Let me back up. The sower is the Son of Man, okay? And then it says, the tares are the sons of the wicked one, and the enemy who sowed is the devil. So don't read a story and say, oh, that's, that's, that's seeds, that's this, and that's that, because believe it or not, you and I is the sower in the other story. It's like, oh, really? That means we have responsibility to teach the gospel and, and preach the gospel and live the gospel. Okay, now, as we keep going, I hope this is not boring you. You're kind of like this, like, what you about to do? <laughs> now, listen, the sower is not identified in the parable that we're looking at. That does not mean he does not exist. It just means Jesus would have said who it is. So you can only assume that the sower is anybody that teaches and preaches the word of God. So if you look at that, in the word of God, like it said earlier, 
is to be saved. It's the, the preaching of the gospel to believe and be saved. So that's the context of what he's talking about. But the sower prepares the soil. Now, we prepare soil for us as well as others. Now, listen, let's look at the wayside or the roadside seat, uh, path. Verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes, takes the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So listen, the heart of man is not the organ, it's the soul. It's everything that is on the inside of you that's the, that produces the mind, will, and emotion. Now it's interesting that when you look at the word soul and soil, the only thing that separates the two is you and I. <laughs> okay. It really does if you think about it. <laughs> All right, I figured that would bomb. I'm just picking. Early in the parable, Jesus talks about the birds. Now, he tells us that the birds is the devil. Okay? Now, listen, if you're the sower and you sow, the life will be perfect gospel. When it's not perfect, you will reap bad fruit. If you teach the money gospel... And layoffs come, you're going to produce bad fruit. You're going to see bad fruit grow up. People are going to fall away and say, there's no way. But what about those that preach that that's why I'm not a Christian gospel, by the way that they live? That's, that's, that's producing growth. It's producing weeds. Now, the sorrow condition is the heart condition. So let's go through this a little bit more quickly. The wayside ground. When you look at the person who is traveling on the road, there's seed there. Like I did, I trampled that seed and just kept walking. Or somebody that's a seeker is going on a path and many seeds are being thrown their way. You may have another religion. You may have all these things coming. But remember, when the seed comes and lands, the devil will come and take away that seed. It's the worldliest of mentalities. It's the... It's the Life is a highway, you know, and you're on your way. It's the broad road, so to speak. But when you look at the gospel, it's the gospel that produces salvation. It's, it's the gospel that says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. That person is walking on the wayside ground. And we were there at one point. We didn't follow God. We didn't believe God. We didn't want to have anything to do with God. We know people like this, the wayside ground. It's the people that have hard hearts that call evil good and good evil. You see that many times today. But listen, when seed is, falls on a wayside ground, it cannot penetrate because it's not in the ground. Then the ones on the rock. Let's look at this. This was a good example. You ever seen this before? <laughs> now, there was no gut. I'm not saying that, but it's, it's today. I'm bringing it to today. It says, but the ones on the rock are those who hear when they hear, receive the word with joy, have no root. They believe for a little while in a time of temptation or testing fall away. This is the shallow heart that responds immediately, that is trying everything that the world has to offer, stumbles across Christianity, says, oh, this might work. Here's some good sermons. They go full head on looking at you like you're stupid. You've been serving God for 15 years and you don't get it because you look like you're, you're sucking prunes or, or lemons. And they're like, why are you not happy? Man, I'm serving God and they just got saved. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. You've come across that. And we've done that, actually. Like, I don't understand what's going on. You haven't been through anything yet. 
you know, when you go through some stuff, it's like, oh, don't you, don't you like when somebody just gets saved? That's a soapbox. Let me put it right here. You get on a soapbox. I'm going to get on a soapbox. And, like, you're just going through everything. Somebody just gets saved, and they come by and say, man, just trust God, brother. It's like, I know. I've been doing that for 15 years, and <laughs> I'm struggling. They mean well, but it's that coming out the gates, which could be a good thing. You know, that's the childlike faith of like, hadn't experienced nothing. I just believe God can do this and that. And that is true, but they miss the will part. What's God's will for your life? So they're claiming verses. Like, they're like, oh, in the book, you know, they had to go and claim Jericho. So they go to their neighbor's house and like, I claim this house. You can be moving in about a couple months. Or they go to the car lot and they're like, I claim this Mercedes right now in Jesus' name. And the guy comes out and is like, hey, can I help you? Oh, no, I'm just prophesying over this car you're going to give me. Okay, we, we understand what that is. <laughs> but I want to, the Lord just started downloading something to me in that area. And this is, you know, I don't, I don't go out and say, oh, the Lord. But I just really feel like this was something God was showing me because it just begins to, to flow. Now, the plant can only grow so long in this shallow space of dirt. You ever walk by a piece of a, a ground and there's a, a thing of dirt and there's a plant growing out of it? And you're like, man, this is weird. How in the world did this, this you know, kind of high plant grow in this little bit of area of dirt? But see, it has no ability to root because its root system gets tapped out. Its root system gets tapped out. The plant needs more soil to thrive in. You take that plant and you put it in soil that doesn't have a rock bed underneath it, it will flourish. But this is what happens. The soil of the heart is so compartmentalized because we get saved, we keep God in one little area of our heart, and then while it's trying to go, it has no way to go because we're still keeping things in our heart that we don't want God to see or touch. So it grows for a little while only in the, the capacity that it has the ability to grow. That's why when you see this picture... It's only going to get so big, and that's it. it. It has no ability to go any further than the soil can take it. So the, the life application is when you come to the Lord, unpack your heart with the junk that we pick up as we go through. In other words, the seed is producing, but the root system is not strong when it hits the rock of the heat of circumstances and the shallow soil dries it up. You see, it's in soil, but when that sun comes out and starts to burn, it's, hit, it's going beyond the dirt, and it's just burning the roots, and that's what's causing it to fall, fall away. Is anybody in here like that, or do you know people like that? That's what is happening in the spirit realm. During temptation or testing, the roots wither. This is also known as the crisis Christian. Everything's falling apart, boy, they run to God. As soon as, you know, they get a little bit in them and it starts to feel better and, and circumstances leave, they kind of go back. That's during the time of testing and temptation. Listen, it's never okay to quit. If you don't quit, God won't quit. Listen, I've been in situations where I felt like I was being crushed. I've even told God, why don't you just crush me and get this thing over with have you been there 
I'm the only heathen. <laughs> Amen. There you go. But listen to me. Get off the mat. Dust yourself off. Reach up to God and say, God, I don't understand what's going on in this dust. But I want you to take my roots and go deeper down in fertile sorrow. I'm not going to get my heart all rock bottom-ish. I'm not going to get my heart just so complacent where I don't allow more dirt to open up to fulfill that thing that's growing, which is the gospel. The gospel is trying to grow, but what we're doing is we're removing the dirt and putting all these, these walls, and, and, and we, we're, we're replacing the foundation of what the gospel says with what we think the gospel should say. That's preaching. We do that. We do that. We, the, you know, it gets planted down. The gospel gets planted down. Then we come in with a, a, a wrong belief system, and it's like we lay a new foundation, and we cut the roots. And, and when the dirt, the, the dirt cannot, the, the, the roots cannot go down into the dirt. It hits that rock bottom, and we wither away. That's why truth is so important, and that you are not misled. Because so many people get misled. They get mad at God, and they say the gospel doesn't work. Because they have a false belief system. Now, Matthew 12, 33. For a tree is known by its fruit. I want to show you the, the, the next one. Those among the thorns. This is a picture of a hydrangea. Look how pretty that is. Now, let's show you the picture that's in my yard. <laughs> that's upside down. I'm not growing it upside down. That's just how it is. Listen, they got a weed on that thing. And it is pulling it's pulling the, the plant down. So it enables the growth and it, it literally sucks the moisture that the plant should be having. Now listen what it says in Luke 8.14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those when they have heard go out and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And this is what it says. And brings no fruit to maturity. They're preoccupied with the world. And I, you know, I interject myself here. <laughs> Might as well. I would go to, to sermons, I would go to, to the, the church and listen to a sermon, I'd be like, oh man, the preacher preached an awesome message. I would get in my car, turn on the same music I was listening to the night before, which would be very demonic, and then I would go back to weeds, and I, I would let that truth just go away. And could we talk about the things the night before, and all of a sudden, I'm right back where I was, the cares of this world would choke out what was trying to be produced in my life. So distractions will come and choke the word out of you. So let me ask you a question. What weed mentality have you adopted? What weedish thoughts are you dwelling on? Is it the cares of the world? Are you trying to keep up with the Boudreaux's? I mean, if you think about it, are, are you, those are things of the world, pleasures of the world. Now, look, listen, there are pretty weeds out there. My dad's like a master gardener. He can grow stuff in cement. Not really. Well, maybe he could. Tupac grew a rose out of the, uh, okay. Rose from the concrete is a poem. Bomb number two. All right. I want, I want you to see something here. There are pretty weeds. You, you ever seen something and you didn't know if it was a weed or... I'm like, I think I'm going to keep this weed in the flower bed. 
because they're pretty weeds. You can't tell if something's bad or not. But eventually, once that thing really gets big, it's like, oh, now it's a tree that I got to cut out now. You know, so there are some things that look like the real deal, but they're really just weeds. Now, listen, cares of this world could be sickness. You know, things come and say, you, you hear people say it all the time. Why would God allow this? That's cares of this world. They, they, they begin to shrivel up when they see things or they, they can't cut loose those pleasures that are drowning them out. They see tragedies and they say, I, how can I serve a God that allows this to happen? Or they see a crooked person prospering and then they're struggling doing everything right. We know people like that, I'm sure. But if you think about it, the, the, the key word is cares of this world. Listen, this world has nothing to offer us. Our heavenly citizenship is in heaven. So we are passing through. And while we are here, we need to make the best of it. We need to preach the gospel. We get jobs. We, come, we become productive members of society. We become salt to this earth, to the people around us. But Jesus sums up all three of these soils. He says the common denominator is they bear no fruit for maturity. So let's look at the good ground. In Luke 8, 15, let's look at a picture of what good soil looks like. There we go. But the ones that fell on good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now listen, once again, Jesus is reiterating the soil. But let me say something here. Manure makes great fertilizer. Okay, that one went over. I don't want to have to explain that when it get awkward in here. Sometimes life gives you some manure, but it makes good fertilizer for you to grow. Now, noble means honest. This means take an honest look at yourself. The Bible says to count the cost. Count the cost. That means be honest with yourself of who you are apart from God. But then be honest with yourself with who you now are with God. Mark 4.20, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. You hear the word that we have all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. But then I accept his, his grace. I accept his empowerment to live, as Pastor Todd is going to be talking about, as he talked about this past Sunday, and he will be talking about grace. And then bear fruit. James 1, 3 through 4, knowing that testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Perfect means mature. You're growing to maturity. Romans 5, 3 through 4, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Listen, look, going back to this first rule, tribulation can be storms in your life, right? Storms, they come through. You know what you don't see a lot in storms? Birds just picking seed. What if the tribulation that you're going through is keeping the devil away from taking that seed out? And that tribulation is taking that seed and pushing it into your dirt. 
If you think about it, because we look at all of these things, these tribulations, oh, what's happening? It's keeping the devil away and it's keeping your eyes focused on the seed that is being planted in your good soil. So now you're going from the road to the soil. So when you look at it, don't say, oh, God's after me, the devil's after me. Say, God, you are working all things out for my good and for your glory. Now, surviving the cares of this world is laying down the questions. God, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why this person is not getting healed. I'm not understanding why this desire in my heart has not come to pass. Look at the mighty oak tree. The oak tree forms. It goes into the ground. It springs up. It has to fight weather. It has to fight tracking animals. It has, to fight, it has to grow up and then fight wind and hurricanes. And then all of a sudden it becomes this mighty tree that you can rest under. But it fights. It keeps persevering through everything that is throwing, throwing its way at us. Now, if you can re- re- recognize all this, if you are the sower... Because, you know, you can go from the soil, see where you're at with the soil. Hopefully, we're all in good soil. But I brought this up because when you're ministering to somebody, you'll see what kind of soil you're looking at. You'll see where they're at. It's the one that comes to you every time something goes bad. Well, I know, you know, what kind that you are. Or it's the super spiritual guy that comes out the gate looking at you like you lost. Well, I can see where you're at. And then you can sit next to someone who is weeping and saying, I will never walk away from God. I don't care what is thrown at me. And they produce fruit of patience and perseverance. And you say, that's good soil. But what should we be doing? Preparing soil. Listen in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, and 9. We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters will work together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's fields. You are God's building. So my question tonight Where are you in regards to the soil? You might be in one of those. I mean, you might be coming to church and sincere but lost. Or you might be coming to church being, being choked out by the cares of the world. The point is, let the seed get down into your heart. Don't let bitterness harden that heart, harden that soil of your heart. Don't let all the experiences that you go through mess up the soil because the soil is your heart. Now, are you firmly planted? If you are firmly planted, are you producing fruit? That's where, that's where we, we need to probably go next week. What is fruit? What does fruit look like? Is fruit, because you know, people say, well, I'll go to church. That's not fruit. We have to look at what God calls fruit. Now, God has, has people assigned to you. Believe it or not, God has people that he says, you are going to preach the gospel to them and they're going to get saved. And if we're too worried about the thorns and thistles and weeds, we're not able to prepare the soil of others. Now, if we're preparing soil, that's by living our life out. We're living our life and we're either helping weeds grow in other people's beds or we're helping fertilize. And how do we do that? When you suffer, that's fertilizing 
good soil. Many of you here may have been weeping with tears over the things of God that, that have not turned out like you wanted. You're watering good soil. And I promise you, you will grow. God does not allow nothing in you. God does not allow anything in your life to not bring about a good desired outcome. I don't care if it's cancer or ridicule from a neighbor. No matter what you're going through, it will not go wasted. You are not suffering for no apparent reason. You are suffering and whatever it is that you are going through, that will produce a harvest. It will produce a great and glorious presentation of the gospel. When people see you and they see you holding on, they see you thriving in a situation that they say, man, I don't see how you do it. You know what you're doing? You're watering their hearts. I want to ask you if you could stand with me tonight, and we're going to wrap this up. I want to keep it simple. I want you to just ask yourself, what soil do I represent? Man, am I even saved? Do I just like church? Do I just like the things of God? Am I just curious about God, or, I'm in, or am I in this thing and, and I, I don't want the thorns and thistles and all this stuff to grow and choke the word out of me. Maybe you can say, man, I'm just on the road and I'm just seeing what's out there. That's, the, you know, that's where some people are. They're just on the path. But I want to encourage you. Get off the path and get in the soil. Get rooted and implanted and produce fruit. That's what God has called you to do. God has called us. To live the gospel. You know, I was talking to somebody today. Uh, we, we, we met up and we were just, he was just telling me how he just is frustrated because he's been saved for so long and he doesn't feel like he's been producing fruit. And I said, you know what? That tells me that you are a Bible-believing, card-carrying Christian. Because if you were not a Christian, that wouldn't bother you. You don't care about producing fruit. You're just trying to get through life. You know, people just don't like the consequences of sin. But a Christian doesn't want to offend God, doesn't want to, doesn't want to disappoint God. That's our motivation for not sinning, not because we're afraid we're going to get caught. So maybe if you're in like the rocky area, you feel like you are not getting rooted. Maybe you just operate on emotion. Can I, can I encourage you to get away from emotion and walk by faith? When you first got saved, that was the most, oh God, he answered every prayer. God was like this to you. And it's like, oh man, God's amazing. But as you get older, God puts you down and he says, all right, let's walk. And we like, but I want you to hold me. So God's like, you're getting old. This is going to look awkward if I'm feeding you a bottle and you're 12. So then he's walking you. And then what he does is he says, all right, go. And then we start to walk and we like, man, I don't know if I could do this, God. And God's like, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And as you get further and further, you're looking back like, God, you, you like what you're seeing? God's like, I love you, babe. You're doing a great job. And then when you fall, God says, come on, I'm going to help you up. And he'll help us up. But eventually when we fall, God's like, remember how I helped you up that last time? Come on, get up. And then look, this person that fell, I want you to go and show them how to get up. And eventually you're walking and now maybe you're driving and then you get older 
You know how it would look if you went back to the bottle? But that's what we're chasing. We're chasing the bottle experience. And we need to be chasing the servanthood of Jesus Christ. All what he did, presenting the gospel, living the gospel, teaching the gospel, being the gospel, the good news. And you can only do that by moving further along in your relationship. That's to grow beyond the thorns, beyond the, beyond the thistles. Because listen, when you're looking at a perfectly good sorrow bed, you don't see them weeds. It's like, oh, look how pretty. But then what happens is you'll have what you planted grow. And the next thing you know, you notice how weeds grow faster than the stuff. <laughs> That's what happens. You got to get beyond that. Get beyond the disappointments. Get beyond the things that didn't work out like you wanted. And keep growing and become a mighty man or woman in the kingdom of God. Do you receive that tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, we just come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for the privilege to be in your kingdom, Lord. Father, we thank you that our hearts are fertile, God, that, our, that we are able, God, to produce fruit. Father, we thank you that you allow us to sow into other people's life also. But Father, we trust you as the one who will make everything grow, God. Lord, all of our disappointments, God, we lay those things down at your feet. And simply say, Lord, you are Lord over this circumstance. You are Lord over my troubles. Father, I'm just thankful to be planted and rooted. So, Father, I just come against the things that are hindering your people right now in Jesus' name. I speak to those weeds in Jesus' name and command them to die. Those, those weedish desires, those relationships that are choking, choking out. Father, I just pray that you would allow those things to go away for your glory. And Father, I just thank you right now. If there is anyone here tonight that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want you to simply see your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for your presence that we've we've received here that we've experienced here God I ask as your children go out tonight and you would bless them in their going that you would bless them in whatever it is that they do father I just pray if there's any broken hearts tonight I ask that you would heal those hearts God come on some of you may be dealing with heartbreak tonight father I just thank you right now that you are the the healing Jesus so father we release this time into your hands. Father, we thank you for blessing this time. We ask that you would help us to apply this word. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen.